Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. Are you about to sneeze? I'm about to. I, I almost sneezed right now. Live on, on the show? Yeah. 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 There's no. Uh, I have a sneeze guard, I guess, kind of up the mm. pop filter. Yeah. That You're so proud nice. of that. You, you, you talk about it quite often. I do? Well, no, yeah. I got this arm. I, like, it took me like five years for, to realize I could get this like reticulating arm. Yeah. But I needed a new house. <laughs> I saw, to get I saw an arm. a picture of, of um, like an audio um, bounce guard. I don't know what you would call it, but it's, it's a, a desk thing that sort of puts a soft surface around your desk in front of you. So you don't have the echo of the oh, room. Oh, that's nice. But I don't know what you would call it because I was trying to Google it. I just had that one image. Soundproof uh, nest. Sound bounce nest. <laughs> yeah. What do you call those booths for the phone? Phone booths? Like yeah, privacy so booths? Po- podcast booth. Yeah, I guess that's mm-hmm. like There's mobile desktop uh, podcast booth. I'm on the board of uh, an artist-run center here in Calgary, and they have little recording booths kind of thing that they um, install. But you can buy you can buy one online. Like it's a full thing, and you assemble yeah. it in your house kind of thing. So maybe mm-hmm. if our listeners want to yeah. do some interactive cue, quality control... Yeah. Please give us feedback if you're like, man, you guys sound so terrible. Well, I mean, yeah, we just cleaned. We had a house party on Friday, so we cleaned all the rooms up. But that means that there's more echo, like because we put things away. A messy oh, house yeah, yeah. sounds better. It's funnier. It's cozier. Yeah. Yeah. So who who did you invite? We invited the whole city. <laughs> <laughs> all Every, of everyone we'd we'd met since we got here, though, basically yeah. including our neighbors, because we never had a housewarming because um, of my eye. But it was great. Like 24 people came. It was like no one else had any other plans. They're like, yeah, we'll be there. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's the benefit I, of a smaller I, I city, did, I think. We recently did a, a sandwich party. And mm. like, um, I'm not a big drinker and I don't like late nights. So I was like, oh, let's just invite lots of friends and have tea and sandwiches. And mm. It was really fun. What kind of sandwiches? Yeah. Um, well, not only mm. sandwiches. I had onigiri made by Kokoron, my, my favorite restaurant. Oh. It was a custom order. And miso soup. And then we made tea sandwiches like, like cucumber fish. and salmon mm-hmm. and um, turkey and cheddar. And What do you think of the popularization of the Japanese term sando for sandwich? Have you, have you noticed that? Like it's popping up at non-Japanese restaurants. Oh, the, yeah. I guess it's just, it sounds good, sando. <laughs> it does, it does, yeah. yeah. And it's shorter and... and I feel like sandwich has negative connotations of like, oh, I was I was on the subway and it was a sandwich between two people. It's, it oh, doesn't yeah. sound nice. Yeah. And subway sandwiches also ruin sandwiches. So Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> but it, it, it was the same. It's just really nice to have people get together. And uh, sometimes I forget to do something for my birthday. But then I was like, well. Wait, it was your birthday? It, no, but it was February. Oh. I was like, why don't we do it now? Okay. Uh, it wasn't a birthday, but I mean, just an excuse to invite lots yeah, of people. Yeah, it actually was Kristen's birthday. Um, so, oh, cool. Yeah, congrats. it was nice. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, it, you know, it, birthday's great. Like, you can't really say congratulations. I guess you can. You survived another year, and it was a hard year to survive. Um, I saw something, though, like, we're going to just, you know, we talked about before the podcast not talking about this, but briefly, you know, if you're a founder of a company, <laughs> like you're, you're working trouble. in tech. Yeah, these have been some hard years. Uh, so maybe, yeah, like every birthday, you know, this year, you know, this week's birthday is like a, an especially, if you survive this next coming week, <laughs> I shouldn't be chuckling about this. But it's really, there's some really uh, scary shit going down with the banking sector in, the Amer- in America. Um, but I'm sure it's all going to turn out okay. Well, I, I, so every week we discuss which topic we do. We look at the list of incoming questions and maybe we have some topics of our own and so mm-hmm. Jeremy and I were texting each other what should we talk about this week and of course the SVB Silicon Valley Bank incident is is everybody's talking about it and then I was like I've been trying to not talk about money or power or politics mm-hmm. just as a mental exercise because my theory is that I was talking about it Tomas from Postmasters back in the day told me Somewhere in the 80s, he read an article in Art Forum that mentioned the price of an artwork. And it was a very strange feeling. It's like, why would you mention money in an art publication? Mm -hmm. And of course, now, it's nothing else but that. There's no judge of art except money. And But back then, it was 
more philosophical and aesthetic discussions. Mm. And so, and I had dinner with a bunch of friends and some of them were doing startups as artworks that would involve real estate and immigration and all kinds of things to, to make the world a better place. And, you really? Know, I always thought that was my idea. They took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but the point was I, was, I was like, if artists are not interested in art anymore, then who is? If, mm. if everything's about money all the time. And well, the point I used to make was just that like startup culture had become so dominant that it yeah. had become culture. Yeah. Um, but not only that, I was talking with Christina about the article in the 80s in yeah. art form, and she said it probably happened by accident that someone mentioned the price of a work that, you know, maybe it was an intern writing it, and they're like, oh, mm. it seemed important, and the editor forgot. And then they noticed that everybody started talking about that article. Yeah. And... So to me, the, in a way, talking about art is very, very difficult. You know that awkward thing when you ask, what kind of art do you make? And you have to explain it, but you don't have it on you, so you have to explain it in words. It's very difficult. So I think I've always, it was easy for me to talk about my work because I could talk about the distribution, which mm. is not the actual art itself. But I was like, well, it's, you know, it's available for free, but it's privately owned. There is some kind of some power discussion though in distribution usually, right? Like because yeah, like... but exactly. But I'm saying power and money and, mm -hmm. and politics are very easy conversation topics, and I think they've they've dominated all thought or like ninety percent of news. Yeah, it's just about that, and I find it intellectually very flat. It's yeah. just like there's resources here. How do we divide them? Who gets the piece of the pie? And, yeah, yeah, that, and yeah. then. At our party, it, that no one wanted to talk about any of that stuff. Which yeah, is interesting. Yeah. yeah, but maybe it's it's living in New York, of course. And uh, uh, well, I think I, it's also think being it's on the internet, right? Like, because yeah. the SVB thing, a lot of people talked about it being the first time that this type of crisis happened because of the internet, because of the speed of the internet, and specifically social media. Because the yeah, because the two thousand and eight crisis happened before social media. Like it was two thousand and eight. Remember, you had to be on a waiting list or on campus to get Facebook. So, you know, the really like the speed at which a run on the bank is actually just like a social construct, right? Like, which is what happened to SVB, which is everyone wants but, to pull their money out. So are yeah. we going to do an episode about SVB? No, 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 no. Uh, but it's more just no. like, is it about power or is it about culture? And is it about no, online no, but, culture? But now to me, it's a linguistic issue. Mm, linguistic. Yeah. And it's, it's a clickbait issue. And it's just, what is this... Yeah. I think I talked about that sci-fi novel, Quality Land, and they have this food that everybody eats, and it's uh, safasu, salt, fat, sugar. Mm. It's just like these crispy caramel things. Right. Just, Perfect. And it's, it's tastier than anything else. And that's what financial news is. It's like mm -hmm. th there's, there's the idea of safety, and you have some advertising, buy this for your home, you'll be safe. And then all of a sudden there's an attack on that safety. Yeah. And the attack is the big Yeah, I think it gets to the heart, though, that Everything's going to crumble. Yeah. Uh, your children are not safe. They're not going to live prosperously. Yeah. You're going to get sick. You're going to be homeless. Da, yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah, we've been talking about a recession coming for two years now. It's like, hmm, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. when is it going to be here? And, whatever's and, and usually for most people, I, I don't know, it, it, maybe I grew up in the Netherlands where it didn't seem that the crisis actually affected people Maybe more in the U.S., but things are more up and down. Well, here's what I can share, which without us, you know, let's move on. But is I, I am a victim, quote unquote, of the crisis in so much as like I'm not I wasn't hit maybe as badly as some people. But on the spectrum of like I was laid off. I also had a health setback while I was laid off, while I also took on a new mortgage. So I kind of stacked all the worst possible yeah. decisions up yeah. all in one year. And I came out the other side. And um, honestly, like. If I was to calculate, you know, how much did I really lose? I think I have this little calculator thing that I actually do. I do track this. I'm down $300. <laughs> that's like... But that's that exactly like, my point. Yeah. yeah. Like the level... And I've been trying to sort of analyze my anxiety that comes up for, for mm -hmm. some reason at some point. Like I had jury duty and then I was like, oh, I can't... I won't be able to go to my show in Germany. Mm. And you, you start fantasizing about this stuff and... I'm in a in a great place, so I'm really doing well. But I'm just kind of analyzing, like, how can I... Yeah. Are you and, actually not going to be able to go to your show in Germany because of jury duty? Is that a thing? No. I, I, I had to... I was called for jury duty, and I was in a selection, and they said I would be in court for two weeks, and it would oh, have been yeah. a conflict, so I was losing my mind. Yeah. But the point being is, 
um, I want to expand creative time and reduce worry time. Yeah. Okay. That's, so like, you, that's maybe and you're right. Like uh, normally, so when I'm not talking, I'm not on an artist panel or I'm just hanging out with friends. That's why I said like, let's just talk about what, you know, what happens at your tea party or at my house party. Yeah. Uh, what do you actually chat about? Very quickly, you know, with artists anyway that I was hanging out with, we started talking about the the deep specifics of stuff that, you know, we would probably be afraid to talk about on the podcast because it's like one in one case was the deep specifics of like, uh, like new media histories from the 1960s or something like. Okay. And in yeah. the other case, it was it's like just, it's just too detailed. The cultural sector in Canada and the niche. pandemic. Yeah. I mean, we could talk. We could do a whole podcast about it, but it was like relative to that one individual and our experience, like you know, helping out a staff on a, you know, not-for-profit board. Anyway, like, but um, but what's great about, that's what's different, I think, about one-to-one versus one-to-many conversations. In one-to-one, you can get to this level of specificity, like, you know, with a good friend, where the rest, it's the only time where, like, every all the external factors are gone because you're only talking about intrinsic or, like, personal beliefs and intrinsic kind of motivations and personal impacts and things like that once you get down to that one-to-one level um which only happens in like a social center but we're talking one-to-one now right so i mean no, even but, if we wanted but, to try we could get really it's, specific it's big it's bigger than whether it's one-to-one or group it's also i just remembered uh, a sketch by a comedy group in the netherlands the dutch listeners will know Yiskefet. and there was a sketch of just like two dutch guys in france at a bakery they're, they're both on vacation they're, they're camping mm-hmm. but they go to the bakery to get bread and then they just have a discussion for about 20 minutes about the kind of concrete used in france versus germany no that's and what i'm talking about that's exactly yeah. it. like <laughs> and, and it's I love so that. dull to watch and, <laughs> and <laughs> when you're there for some reason it's thrilling but like the reason i bring it up is because in the one-to-many, which is the internet for a lot of us, yeah. we often feel like we have to educate others or like keep it at some level that's social at that scale, which is yeah. a scale yeah, of yeah. billions of people. But as soon as you bring it back down to a friendship or a house party, suddenly it's like we were talking about the cucumber potato chips I bought for like... <laughs> yeah, but it's not... I don't think you're being completely... Yeah. Um, I don't think you're representing... Because if you're one-to-one... With coworkers or your mom or the very you're still often, general, yeah. Very no no. Very often the topic will be mortgage rates, mm-hmm. uh, etc. And what I'm trying to get at is that That's a if good we if we are a podcast about art and we're also doing like pivot light or the verge light, then we're not really doing something that's other than that. And so I'm saying most of media is just. Oh my God! Did you see that Amazon bought Whole Foods? Oh my God! Did yeah. You so see I guess the question Musk? the question would be then is, is art operating on a separate trajectory? Yeah. And can we? And the, my question is: Can we still? Is a podcast? Is it possible in a podcast? And is it possible with our generation to talk about art itself? Because all the other stuff is so intense. It feels so intense all the time. I mean, the problem for me is like for at least for me is that art is really hard to separate from life. And these and these and some of these variables do impact our lives, right? So, mm-hmm. like, if you were to think of art as this autonomous alien being that's floating outside of the periphery of the planet, you know, it's kind of a satellite. No, no, no. But I do think uh, you can even discuss mortgages on an aesthetic level and on a practical level. Mm-hmm. Like, you can talk about the psychological game of a mortgage or... Um, the history of it. Sure. Or maybe, no, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. You can talk about housing and then you can talk about what can people afford, what is fair, what are the power structures, or you could talk about architecture itself. Yeah, that's a good point. That's my point. It's funny, I did have a long conversation about architecture at my party. The the thing is, we just have to pick one of these topics. Like, where do you want to go today? So what's been on your mind as an artist? Like if let's just try sincerely talking about it. Okay, um, on my mind as an artist is the the tension between doing unique works or small series or large series, and what that means to my choices in color. Mm. In so color. It, yeah, but well, what I do is 
at first, the whole idea of making a script that generates a thousand different outcomes was very exciting. And now it seems like mm. I'll make an output of a thousand and then of 300 and then of a hundred and then of 10 and start sifting through. And there's something about when you have to make choices that's also very interesting. But that's, this is exactly what I'm saying. It's very, this is a very difficult thing for a podcast because it would be very casual if you were sitting next to me on, on the same screen. Mm -hmm. But when you start talking about this in a podcast, it becomes very... I don't know. I was going to ask you my follow-up yeah. question on color would be, do you constrain yourself to a specific palette or do you let the computer generate its own palette? Um, I specify... It depends. If it's... If I'm mixing colors, which what you call gradients, if I do completely random, it gets muddy really mm, fast. Yeah. So you have to work with sort of primary colors. And if I work with flat color areas, then there's a bit more room for uh, subjectivity mm -hmm. in the choices. So that depends. And, and even then, it's still nuanced. Like Sometimes the, the hardcore pure red is not the right one, and it needs to be slightly more pink. Mm -hmm. So it's all very intuitive. But... I definitely always err on the side of bright colors, but yeah, you know that. No, I mean, I'm asking these specific questions. Meanwhile, like today I was working on a specific project that involved like physics and I was just trying to get the bounciness just right yeah. of like an yeah, yeah, object. Yeah, yeah. What do you use for that? I was using Lens Studio, which is like a Snapchat thing because it's a filter. So oh. it's, it's, it's the movement that makes it the, the, the shape might be completely unrealistic, but it's the movement that gives it well, the physical There are feel. different yeah, parameters like bounciness or friction and gravity yeah. and things Do like that. Do you work with, with ease libraries? Mm, the libraries are built in in this case, but um, okay. I've worked with various physics libraries over the years. Like back in the day, it was Box 2D was kind of I like remember one. that one, yeah. That was kind of revolutionary. I think I used it. Yeah, because yeah. like, it was available in JavaScript. I, I remembered... Um, seeing the first web things online because there were there were desktop softwares that would simulate all kinds of 2D physics mm -hmm. and then when it came to the web it felt really fun and it it created this strange realism to geometry yeah i mean for the the kind of reason why i was asking about color and then when i'm talking about physics is also like um for me what i was really into and that i really do get into and that, that i think is special about art and i think maybe it's my brain my art director brain but is the you know, we're talking about how the world and power and politics exists um, and are we external to it? But what you can do as an artist is you can create like your own world and your own little, like when, For I, sure. when I've worked and that's, physics, and, yeah. and this is maybe what I've been feeling mm -hmm. is this exactly that is that if you turn your mind towards what the world wants of you, you're not creating your own world. You're like, oh, this is the, the thing right now. I looked at the research. This is what I should make. Well, yeah. And instead, if you if you just completely go full speed in your own direction then it's that saying if you build it they will come but uh that seems to be true but i think there's a you know like the internet when like i've always noticed as an artist for example i was trying to i was thinking about this this week because i was you know helping someone with some augmented reality stuff and i was just like trying to get them they were like well what's possible and i was like well anything's kind of possible and the problem can sometimes be there's just so many options mm. that you need to really like self limit. And I was like, but I'm really focused on this and I don't know about any of that stuff. And in fact, I don't want to right now because but for example, in, in mm. AR, uh, because I'm not so familiar, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're saying there's that many options. One of the things I, I always notice in AR apps is it's really hard to find the floor and make things look like they're standing on the floor. Hmm. Yeah, this was like, I'm not, I'm, I haven't done very much marker based tracking. Like, you know, um, there's a poster You've avoided on the, that problem. Yeah, there's a poster on the wall and you track the poster and you tie the, uh, the object. Okay. I mean, it's so specific. That's why, you know, maybe it is boring for the podcast. However, I've done a lot of body based tracking. And fundamentally, you know, in my, in my career, I've mostly focused in AR on one thread, which is like the body. And that, mm -hmm. and it was interesting for me socially but just as like and of aesthetically course, yeah, yeah. It, it, what i'm trying to say is the body is very political technology is very political and mm -hmm. end of the day there's also your instinct and your curiosity yeah and that's more what i want to focus no, on and that's so you're what like, i'm talking about and and so you're like you might have been playing with ar and figured like oh if i put things on the floor 
the chair next to it might overlap. There's all going to be all kinds of issues, but the body's right in front of the lens. Yeah, and, and, I, so and I think it's also easy like, to detect the background, and sure. then it's really fun. Yeah. yeah, and also like I feel like I could build a build a whole career just on like filling rooms with virtual objects, but I instead I've chosen I have done a few works like that, right? But like, but I really love the you know putting things on my body instead. And, you know, like yeah. imagine you went to a fashion designer, and you're like, well, why do you, haven't you tried putting your clothes on as curtains on the wall? Um, they'd look at you very strangely. They'd yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. No, but then uh, yeah. it, the fact that you chose your body, uh, it happened by accident. Like you were playing with the camera, you were in front of the camera. It yeah, happened. It actually but did. But then happen later by on, of course, it's like you're a white male, you're from Canada, uh, you know, <laughs> friend, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then you can add all these layers on top, which is kind of like psychoanalysis. But well, the yeah. instinct was there. There was a universe. I mean, it didn't. It didn't start by accident, though. It did start with an, an, another artist that I was inspired by, who I was there. I was their assistant, and they. I was terrified of being in front of the camera, and actually, I was ashamed of my body. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't very confident, and it, it was. They died, and then I felt like I should try doing what they did because I really loved what they did. So it started with admiration, I think. Yeah, which yeah. is the way a lot of artists get started, right? Like they really so. admire someone else's yeah. work, so the curiosity leads them to be, you know. Well, I, I always think there's different kinds of admiration, and there's people who build, who who plant a flag on the top of a hill, and then there's people who leave a door open for you to mm-hmm. go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was definitely uh, leading, leaving a door open. Colin yeah. was. and then I think once you're in there, you're like you make you know your own space, but. Um, you know, to your point, like, yeah, eventually the worlds kind of collide. Like, but there was a, a long period where I was just making work completely ignorant <laughs> of everything, um, yeah. except for art history, which I was studying deeply at the time. Like, because you can't, you know, you're kind of forced to even in art school, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and you're trying to make a step that others didn't make. Yeah. Yet. And expl- explicitly avoiding. You know, and and it's funny too. Even in my late career, and I don't know if you've done this, but I've only just started to do like homages to other works. You know, I, like, I did that pretty early on. Like one of the mm. my second piece or something was those stacked dollar bills, which was referring to Andy Warhol's dollar painting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that can be like another admiration strategy, but um, it definitely sucks someone else's world into your world. So it's like a little bit of a. Yeah worlds colliding situation but what i find generally to your point earlier is like yeah if i was talking to my mom or something the specifics around art making are less interesting however in a party context and i want to go back to that party context i have had really deep conversations with people strangers who simply have taken the same curiosity that i take to my practice or vice versa me to them and have asked questions like but why did you do that and what about this and i think in that environment because there's literally nothing else to do in that space, right? It's not let's turn on the news or let's look at Twitter. It's like I've got a human being in front of me. And and do you do you show the demo on your phone of the AR? I try not to. I usually try yeah. and just describe. Though it, the, at this party, someone I did do an AR demo for someone because I had a carpet with a QR code in the house, and it, it failed. And I was like, mm, this isn't good. Like I'd rather just talk to them about the mm. <laughs> work. Not everyone's happy, excited to talk about their work, yeah. um, but I would say that that doesn't exist as a podcast, and we've received that feedback before. There's there are very few podcasts well, with artists talking about making art. I think one of the interesting things you're talking about is that you have your private space, you're making the thing, you're testing it, and you have your own feelings, and then you show it to someone, and then you're like, oh, I was excited about this, but apparently it, <laughs> it's not doing what I thought it would. Sure. And one of the things... I think our devices and social media are an extension of our body and mind. And yeah, so I agree. when I make a, a, an, an addition generative series, whatever you want to call it, and I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I have to choose one of them to post on Twitter as a sketch. I'm like, mm, which one is good enough? Mm. And then you start seeing like, oh, I don't think that one's that good. Oh, I don't think. And you start looking more intently, but where before you're more hopeful. And then you become a bit more critical where you're like, is this worth posting? Is this worth? And maybe that's the same for you building software. And you're like, which screen recording would be good enough as an Instagram story, which is step one. Mm -hmm. 
And then which one would be good enough for a permanent post? I often, do, yeah, I don't know. But if I, am, if I do kind of like, if I am, I don't know if you have this, but sometimes I'm delighted by something I've created um, and not like delighted that, I have, that I'm going to share it, but just for myself, I'm like, oh my God, that worked. And that's really interesting. It, it's rare, like, but it happens every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of, you know, it's when it happens, it's a great feeling. Um, and then the next impulse might be to share it, um, which you're right, then changes the conversation from delight with self to delight that others might be as delighted yeah, but, as you. But to me, it's not even about what others, how others react, but it's more about uh, what do I think is good enough to share. And, and that mm. makes me go back to the group of works and think like, oh, mm, which one do I feel good about? And, yeah. Yeah. So what was the last one? I, I, you had a big launch this week of your own platform. Yeah. Yeah. How did that go? That was fun. What was fun I, about it though? Well, it, it sold out in, the, I think, two or three minutes. So mm. That was fun. Was it the selling that was fun or the, or the like, finally getting it out? Well, the, 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 I think it was four months of development from first sketch and, and uh, sharing that with Rainier to executing and, and launching it. And that was just a period of very practical development. So it was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was exciting to get it done, and so it feels like it's like setting up the studio and painting the walls and getting a new desk. And then when it's all done, it's like ah, I can get to work. Mm. So that's that's why it's exciting. And I'm saying it was exciting that it sold out because I just wanted the first one to be out the door. And after that, I don't worry about mm-hmm. if things sell out or not. I'm like, this is about continuous creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just wanted that first one to go well, and then. Would you ever just put one out for free and whoever gets there first gets it? Or uh, I don't think so. I, I like the, I've never liked the idea of giving things away because it feels like people just throw it away. Hmm. Um, and everything's view, viewable for free, of course. Yeah, that's true. So I, I like this idea of ownership, but um, I'm just very excited. The whole thing feels like going back to web one where you just have your server and it's your server, your rules and mm-hmm. no one, no one. Uh, well, that's why I was asking about it because yeah. I think like, again, back to creating your own world, like, you know, now, you know, I was, I had a terrible experience with Shopify today. I was trying to renew account and they like charged me extra money and stuff. And I was like, why don't I just build this myself? <laughs> you know, it'd be more yeah, fun. I'd learn but you more. Don't, I mean, my own platform that I made the, the backend or the technologies Artblocks engine. So right. There's certain parts that you don't have to reinvent, but at least if you make your own Shopify store, they're not. Um, any other platform, you're in the your works are in the context of other works, and so here you build your own context. So, I don't think Shopify is that present in your mm. website, is it or is it? Um, I mean, I just like used it as a an engine to build the website, yeah. and then I, if you want to have purchases on a website, like you need to purchase some software usually to do that um but that's why your thing is interesting right because you've created purchases now you're using someone else's back end to do it are you and you're paying them a little bit of a proceed to do that but you're not paying like a monthly subscription are you no no it's a percentage on the sales yeah see so that's nicer versus like being charged hundreds of dollars. yeah 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 no but the, the the whole thing if you ask me is it exciting the building itself wasn't exciting but the having my own place now is I feel very grounded and, and yeah. excited. Now, yeah. will, can you build on it or will the art blocks thing eventually be a limitation? Uh, I can do whatever I want, of course. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's flexible enough. Yeah, but I think they're also adding functionality over time. I see. So different kinds of minting mechanisms, etc. But I, the whole reason I made the thing is that I had a lot of finished pro- projects that I couldn't publish on Artblocks because their queue was too long. Mm. So I have about 15 or 20 projects ready to go. And so now I'll release something every three weeks or something yeah, like, like imagine that. Warhol was like, I want to do a thousand more prints. And then the, the, the printmaking exactly. people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can only yeah, handle yeah. Uh, one a year. Don't flood your market. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I understand that any platform has priorities and et cetera. And so now I just have my own. and mm-hmm. uh, But... One of the things I realized when we were making it is like, if this is the future of the creator economy, it excludes a lot of people. Yeah, we it's talked about that. Too last hard to use. Yeah. yeah. 
But again, we're getting back to the meta instead of the exactly. actual art itself. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But so for the art itself, it, it this is it really feels like a continuation of making w websites in domain names. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a different infrastructure. It's multiples and it's different instances of, of one algorithm. Yeah. So and and often it will be color variations, but maybe the same movement. Now, like at our at our party, we put up Neo Geo Cities, which is oh, the piece cool. that we own uh, on yeah. the wall, and Neo Geo Cities dot com. Anyone can go see it, but it's in. Uh, I'm really proud to have it in our collection, and um, it fit in really well. Like, and what was nice is it kind of like changed the lighting in the room oh, because cool. it's quite intense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But what happened was the walls kind of had this gradient that would pass through. I don't know if you've mm. ever seen it in a room that way. Yeah. 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 Uh, but in yeah. a dark room, it actually kind of created the whole room kind of became. One it's of like a, it's a custom uh, hue light. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I paired it actually with a hue light so that I could get like on one oh, side funny. of the wall, a little bit of a color. Um, going well, that and, makes me happy. Yeah. 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 Well, I was yeah. trying to like, I was thinking like, you know, in terms of your work, um, how it's, I mean, I don't think I had the ideal installation set up, but it, Kristen, originally we put the TV on the wall the way we did just for that piece. And then we just happened to use it 90% of the time to watch TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, but it's ironic because I think your original ethos was the idea of the web browser um, and that the window size was variable and it was utilitarian, like if I had a laptop yeah. or a screen or whatever. So yeah. we kind of think it's still is, in the spirit. Fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I do think there will be, here's, for example, the example, back to the topic, like, do you talk about the structure and the technology or about the art itself? And so when I was releasing works on Foundation, a lot of people said, oh, it, good that it's successful, but I prefer web pages to video. Yeah. Like everybody says, that's the real, the real work is, is the script and not the video. And then Austin Lee, my, my friend, one of the few people who was like, oh, there's a certain focus in the videos that I didn't see before in the other works because you, you can't do random. And it's like a 50-second clip. So it really felt like a more deliberate choice. Oh, interesting. And he was the only one that noticed that. And I didn't even notice that. And so it's funny when you really go back to like, forget about all the power structures and all the prerequisites and all the whatever technology is used and just look at it. And... and and be open and uh, yeah. yeah and to the artist choices and like kind of the hand like the gestures that are there and present yeah 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 like maybe an artist was known for making animated gifs and then they switched to webgl and everybody's like oh that's weird why did they do that and then a couple of years later you're like oh that's actually it it turned out really interesting well i feel like you know in a corporate environment with designers i you know most of the conversation ends up being what is the rationale or the why behind stuff and there's very little conversation around how things feel yeah um, that, this is yeah. the this is what i'm trying to get at exactly that's exactly it like it's the problem when the board decides like oh this software should be in portrait orientation mm -hmm. and they've decided it and then later on everybody's like this feels weird. Well, Why for some reason, weird? yeah, like subjectivity is enemy number one, right? Like, so yeah. if, if you have a different experience But than Apple else, has been the master of like carving out 20 different iPad sizes out of <laughs> clay and then holding them in your hand and like getting to, and not even working with focus groups. And mm. I think that the cool thing about what, what Apple has done is they've proven that that subjectivity is actually can make you the most valuable company in the world. Yeah, there's um back to money and power, but yeah. but but the whole th idea that there there is this sense of subjectivity that you cannot get at Dell or at at HP. Yeah, and I think like the in so in when you're designing products, there's a Venn diagram that people refer to of viability, feasibility, and desirability. Um, feasibility being like you know, is there a is there is it possible to make this thing? And then viability being like, is it possible to make money from this thing but desirability is like would anyone want it or just yeah. you know yeah. and and that's the weird thing that yeah. sometimes people don't even know they want it if you ask them yeah and i think like you know it's a function of like okay can i can i do something with this but in art desirability it definitely comes back to if we strip away the power in politics because it might just be like i want the vanity of like 
owning a Jeff Koons or something. But if you strip yeah, that away... Yeah, I want away, the financial security of a, yeah. of a Rothko. If yeah. you strip that away, it's like, you know when you go to a museum with someone who's never been and appreciated art, they're like, they they almost look angry or confused and upset, like like they've lost the will to live. <laughs> but it, And then you have, I don't know if you've had this pep talk with them. You're like, well, what do you like or dislike? And no one's ever asked them that. Mm. And then they're like, well, I like this or that, but I don't want to look stupid. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so, shame. you know, as artists, we take for granted that we we actually subjectivity reigns supreme in our logic. Actually, like yeah, but so that that's my concern that that uh, sort of boardroom thinking also creeps into art schools where you have to explain everything. Well, you know, I think you were always encouraged me to go back and live experience. I think you can still make political work. I was on a panel this week and we, we the topic of like, is political work of any value comes, comes came up. It was an identity politics panel, Raf. So it's like, oh, sounds you're great. worse. Why wasn't I invited? <laughs> uh, but honestly, like it was really a progress. It was a great progressive panel. Like everyone was really interesting and came at it from like, not the point of view that you'd expect. And, um, was it, did it feel spontaneous or were people very measured? Very, very spontaneous. But the, okay. other, the other thing I think about it, it, I mean, it started off measured, but then as we got comfortable with each other. But the other thing about it was we, we talked about that identity, but the other one we talked about that people are very uncomfortable with in art is humor. And specifically only, though, when the topic of value comes up. Prior to, like, the topic of value, like... Any, you know, people would say value I, in the sense of morals or no, in the sense of, of economics, money, right? Like, because yeah. like art that's funny now doesn't sell, right? Typically, but um, people enjoy, and we were talking about this as like artists on the panel, like that a lot of people who don't like art, and this happened to me early in my career, would approach me and say like, I don't like most art. Like they would start it like that, and they say, but I like this. It made me laugh, or I found it, you know, really funny. And, um, you know, inviting people into the conversation to your point earlier around the door being open. Humor is really, you know, useful mm -hmm. in that regard. But I would say like utility is not really like I, I wish I could go back and change this answer. It's not really about utility at all. It's about breaking through that uh, the objectivity. Like we all wear like an objective armor. Like I can't like this because or I like this because. Yeah, but yeah. if you really if you really break through and are honest with yourself, your eye is drawn, right? Or your feelings are drawn to certain things in the world, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? And then yeah, another argument could be if you're really specialized, most people won't be able to absorb it. It's too new and and you don't have to worry about that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the history of my life. I've been a little bit ahead on things from time, you know, and so have you to be honest with you, right? But like that wasn't why I made it. I wasn't. Ma I wasn't making things I, to be immediately I felt like accepted. Maybe for both of us, but it, it, to me, it always felt like regular people were always comfortable with it. It was more mm. uh, art professionals that said, "Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> this is on the screen. I don't know about that." Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, even still, like I have um, a, a work that I've been pretty quiet about, and that I was talking about on the panel of these AR filters has mentioned it on the podcast that are like, they're filters that like you know solve uh, racism po very poorly but um <laughs> they've it's been really Pink face <laughs> they're at the front of an exhibition behind a glass wall with a lot of traffic and so people have been like instagramming it a lot which is like mm -hmm. um and just seeing like you know people play with the work i've always loved that more than anything else and um but then why, why didn't you go into theme park development or uh, games or something like that well, I think I did like, but the internet was kind of that, right? Like if yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. a theme park in everyone's room, living room. Um, yeah. it was media yeah. music in 1995, but now it's like, you can do anything. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah. but you could have gone the sort of, and I think a lot of artists uh, that in the nineties felt that way. There was the Katamari Damasi. That's a good and point. Yeah. That, that kind of making experimental games game with PlayStation. Yeah. yeah. And I think and a lot of people went the, the indie game route. Because it's, you know, it's well accepted as like, this is a media where people are there to just be joyful. And fun, have fun is allowed. Fun is allowed. Yeah. 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 Uh, you're right. Like in a lot of ways, though, when I was making art early on, I would put music in it or a dance and things like that. And that I didn't feel like that was a, necessarily not allowed because I was referring, I, I would, I was a fan of Namju Pike as an example or yeah. Chris Bird and, and they were so silly and joyful in their work. Chris Burden's an odd example, I know, but like. 
if you go back and look at Chris Burden's works, they're pretty hilarious. Um, a lot of conceptual art was tongue in cheek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and so in my mind, I was like, well, you know, art exists to provoke anyway. And, and the prov- provocation it, of having fun with people like uh, John Baldessari or William Wegman, people, a lot of people were turned off by the humor. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know where, where. But you can't please everyone. Huh? I just remember my gallerist always telling me that, like, yeah, people don't want you or your identity, nor do they want your humor. I was like, well, why am, why are you representing me? It's like, <laughs> like, why, why are you, you editing just, me? Yeah, why are you editing me? I mean, yeah. you definitely have to do whatever you, whatever you feel like. And well, you have to be you. very careful whose advice you take. Yeah, I mean, I didn't take her advice, but whenever yeah. I did, I made terrible work. So, I, you know, eventually, yeah. I, if but the, the only argument I could say against humor in art is that uh, often humor doesn't age well; it doesn't stay funny in the long term. Mm. If, but who if cares? You look at, yeah, that's true. But like what it's the a lot lo- of why pe- is it for the long term? Well, that's how a lot of people th- see art. They want to. Uh, they want. They want to like crystallize something. No, no, them. but but maybe the argument could be. All of pop culture is much stronger in uh, evoking emotions than art. Mm-hmm. Like music and movies can conjure up really strong feelings and form your identity and games, all these things. They're very powerful. And art is this sort of quiet on the side thing. Right. And the only strength that it has opposed to pop culture is this longevity. Where yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But and is the so, world better or worse for having Richard Pryor, you know, or is the world better or worse for having had Monty Python? No, no, no. I, I, I totally get the humor it has a yeah. place. But then if you make a funny painting and it's not funny anymore 12 years later, yeah. but it also didn't reach the audience of a Richard Pryor, then it's kind of... Just seems like a bad joke, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe if it's like if I did a painting of a banana tape to the wall, yeah, I don't think that's going to be very funny in 20 years. Um or maybe it will, yeah. And I, I what's an example of a funny work from the past that, like Duchamp uh, putting the mustache on the Mona Lisa? Is that yeah, still funny? Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you take any of Catalan's works, it's like a gold toilet, like Maurizio Catalan's gold toilet. Is that still funny? Gold, I didn't like gold, it that much at the, the beginning moment. to begin with, mm, but it's yeah. too crass, too obvious. I don't know. I was just not so into it. I just but, saw that yeah. uh, John Waters donated his uh, whole art collection to um, the Baltimore Museum. Oh, cool. And uh, he yeah. had one request, uh, which I envy him uh, for greatly, is that they had to build a washroom in his name, like <laughs> the John the Waters John... washrooms. And oh, they're, cool. um, they're gender friendly. So there's like they're non-gendered bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. I, w- I would assume his bathroom would have uh, like penis shaped faucets. <laughs> no, it's pretty, it's boring in that regard, but just, he was like, I had to have my name on a bathroom. It just seemed appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's great. He also in the collection he donated were works by artists that you would recognize, but also by like, by Twa- like Swy Tombly and stuff like that. But also, Cy Tombly. yeah, Swy Tombly, but also like by his father making fun of Cy Tombly. So like, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, a, a, I, I don't know the wor- the best art collections that are often not just by artists. There's like a mix of like life and the mm-hmm. artist's work and personality yeah, yeah, yeah. in them and the collector's personality. Yeah. But uh, I digress a little bit, except that his, uh, just he, about f- uh, funny artworks. I really like this work of Catalan. That's the, the tiny elevator. Did you oh, ever yeah, see yeah. it? Yeah, was that in the same, like, I don't know if I saw the tiny elevator. I remember the I tiny elevator. I saw it gallery. at LACMA. Was it an actual elevator that went up and down? Well, it was It was built into the wall. I don't know if it actually went up. You just saw the elevator door. You could press the button and then you wait 15 seconds and the door opens and then you see the elevator inside and then it closes and it, you see the lights that it's going up. Oh, cool. But it, the, what, what was interesting to me is it, it forces you to get on your knees, which mm-hmm. is very strange for an artwork. Right. Because it's, it's about, let's say, it's 20 centimeters tall. Yeah. So if you're standing there and you want to look inside of it, you really have to get on the floor. What about, um, that's a great example. And I remember he also had the world's smallest gallery in Chelsea, which was like a tiny, you had to like get yeah. on your knees. Yeah. But, um, no, I think it was at iHeight. It was like a window. Was it? Yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but it, I think it was. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm only, I've only seen it in documentation. Did you actually visit? Yeah, I, I, I was there once. Hmm. The other artist that comes to mind, tell me if this is still funny, um, Cloaca by Vim Delvoye. Um, oh, yeah. 
a shit machine and then they'd sell toilet paper in the gift shop. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's too crass like the gold toilet, but I always thought that was a really funny work because it required the effort of the entire museum to feed the shit making machine all day long with like food and stuff. So um, if you have you ever seen that piece in person? No, no. I, I mean... It I sounds like something I would love, but I don't love it. I don't know why. Yeah. It's kind of boring to see in person. I've seen it because uh, poo is processed over a very long period of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's also interesting. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I, 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 we kind of digress. But, but maybe, the, the maybe back to the conversation yeah. of how difficult it is to, to talk about art. Sometimes uh, a work by Ellsworth Kelly can be kind of funny. It's just the, the tension between two colors and a strange shape. And like... Not all of them are funny, but one of them is kind of, and I think that's where it's interesting to be. Yeah. Uh, where you're like, oh, that's a really, or you could see that the person who is making the work, whether it's a still life or a portrait or whatever it is, there was something that was didn't yeah. fit well and, and fe felt awkward. The only and, reason I think humor is yeah. relevant to this conversation is because humor often cuts through the objective uh, armor and uh, has this, allows the subjective release right of emotion. Like uh, it's the, it's really the release of tension. And so I think probably Wasn't there that, that Hannah Gatsby or what was her name? Yeah, no, Hannah, not Hannah. Yeah, Hannah Gatsby. She yeah, was I, talking about that she didn't want to do comedy anymore because she didn't want to release the tension. Well. The, she didn't want to make fun of herself as a lesbian because it was harmful. I know, to other but lesbians. it's it, it almost the way I interpreted it when I mm -hmm. heard it was like humor is forbidden. It, it almost felt like a sort of very Calvinist statement. But ultimately, like my point would be like there's probably a lot of things we don't identify as humorous, like even including your own work. Where and if you go back to the abstract expressionists, like and you know the idea of like visual music, but the idea the idea that a shape or a color could pierce the objective lens and allow for subjective emotion. Or it, that it, it has an energy and that yeah. it, for different people has a different outcome, but it just has this undeniable energy. But uh, yeah, like I'm always reminded of this moment I had where I saw, and it wasn't my emotion, but I witnessed someone else having an emotion seeing uh, Janet Cardiff's 40-part motet. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, but they were standing in the middle and it's like 40 speakers surrounding you and each one is an individual voice in this motet like so like a choir and this per older woman was just bawling in tears in the middle of this work and to allow yourself to cry in public is already a big <laughs> thing right yeah and to be the yeah. only person in the center of like you know what is relatively obtuse when you think about it like a circle of speakers but it's really to allow yourself to have the emotion take over yeah um yeah. that if we go back to where this discussion started, that's not happening when you're talking about Silicon Valley Bank. <laughs> no, and it, of but course it is it's a big one, part of it, life. It's a different it, emotion, it, it, I guess. It, it impacts a lot of people. Yeah, but yeah. it it just seems when you, it's the whole clickbait thing, and I just think money and sex that those always sex and violence, and you know. But maybe it's just because it's more limited palette. You know, like it, human emotion is greater than anxiety, exactly, yeah. right? Um, there's so much more to explore, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm susceptible to it too. Like I try not to read the news too much, but every morning I'll read the headlines to make sure there's not a nuclear war. Mm -hmm. And then whatever headline is the spiciest I'll, I'll click on and it, it's automatic. It's, it's a thing. It's the same thing as gambling. Like you're susceptible to gambling. It's like, Oh, you want, you want to double your money? What are the odds? Okay, let's do it. And some people, uh, can deal with it. And some people have victims of it and yeah yeah but it's a bit like someone who goes to the gym but won't take a walk in the forest you know so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you're missing out on the senses <laughs> yeah all the other senses that are available and it's like um you're right it's like a sugar fat salt thing it's like pornography yeah. it's like no plot and all this is like the most crass thing ever said all ejaculate but basically like <laughs> <laughs> no talk all come <laughs> Gross, Jeremy. Don't say that again. But we should start a, th a gallery so called No Talk I'll Come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all orgasm. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> no foreplay. Yeah. No foreplay. Um, but anyway, the, the point being that there's like 
pleasure in the journey, which we talk about on the podcast all the time, but yeah, also... Yeah. Like, uh, and of course, there's pleasure and, and nuance in building companies and helping people and yeah, put politics and all these things. But I do think a lot about like uh, that. Maybe that was the panel discussion. Like, what value can we add as artists? And obviously, an artist project is not going to be as impactful as someone who does policy change. Anyway, that's a well, whole ultimately we discussion. were talking. Yeah, the panel was a lot about um, socially constructed norms that prevent uh, personal expression. That kind of box you in, um, determine what or what and what not you can create or like the terms and conditions of software yeah and and also the other members of the panel were racialized and so they had felt like you know only certain forms of expression or at least the world was telling them well if you don't make if you're muslim and you don't make muslim art then you're a bad person you're a bad muslim and you're and you can't participate in the art world right so it's like that kind of thing yeah um you know just because you're from a certain place doesn't mean you want to necessarily follow even that aesthetic tradition, right? Yeah, I mean, there was always the most privileged position as a white male is like, oh, I don't have to make art about my genitals. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That, and that's kind of what we were talking about as well. Um, that it, it, there is this like idea that the white male has the full palette and then everyone else has to yeah. play by these specific kind of constraints. Um, yeah, and, and to me, by there's something about avoiding the topic of money that can be a form of power with people who do have money. Mm. It's like, oh, let's not talk about money. That's tacky. Mm -hmm. But there's also something where it could be liberating, like, oh, let's not talk about power, identity, all these things, because it's been enough. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I saw Jerry Saltz tweet this week. He's like, you know, it's not talked about that less than 1% of 1% of 1% of the art made, you know, of the art made on the planet is earns makes money, and and yet and so that shouldn't be where we focus our attention because yeah, the yeah, vast yeah. majority of art isn't wrapped up. So we're missing out on a huge palette of human experience and creativity. Yeah. So, and of course we all believe that, but and for whatever reason, like if you take any city, let's say like I'm in Calgary, and the, the average person would be like, oh, how disappointing. However, the like the sheer amount of there's like there's thousands of artists in the city all, oh, yeah. you know, making things and there's studio space that's cheaper and more accessible than anywhere else. You know, have, in you, have you did you uh, break into the art community? Yeah, I joined a board of directors. Um, OK, but, you know, it, what's funny about that, too, I was meeting with the team on Friday for a workshop and there and we were coming up with their list of priorities and they all the whole staff was like. Well, one of the big priorities we have that we just was a huge surprise and we didn't expect because we're working at Artist Run Center is, you know, since joining the gallery, we haven't seen any art. <laughs> <laughs> All we're doing is working and administration and like That's we're, fu- lo- we're this losing is exactly the what I'm, it's I think this is a great ending to what I'm trying to talk about because it's, it's so <laughs> funny. It's like. How do we solve this issue and that issue and this issue and that issue? And it's all bureaucracy. Yeah, we ended up uh, deprioritizing seeing art. So it's on the <laughs> road, it's further down the road, man. <laughs> oh, you made the decision? Well, we had to make the decision, you know, because there were a few like desperate things to take care of. But it's on the roadmap. But we'll get to. <laughs> we'll get to. It's funny I though. Mean, even on my design teams, I've always emphasized like talking about art and design and. People are always so stunned that I, you know, make space for that, but that well, then love it. No, like outsiders, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would no, you waste I, corporate I think that's time? The, that's you know? the success of Apple and where every other company fails with design. They're mm-hmm. like, oh well, let's just do the design at the end. Let's not talk about design. Yeah, let's just let, yeah. let's just yeah, let's do just, design. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll make a competition on mm-hmm. Instagram and someone will do the design <laughs> for us. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's another problem. Yeah, yeah, but that's exactly what I was trying to say. So, uh, it it doesn't mean this podcast will exclusively be aesthetics, but uh, no, it's but just a, oh, it's I, just I don't a thought experiment. You, like were, now, you, didn't, you didn't make the argument for aesthetics. I didn't think at any point, which was no, I but it, terribly like polite of you because <laughs> yeah, no, but it's it's interesting just hanging out with people, and um, if you really take it broadly, it's like anyone you run into, and they're either talking about let's say their visa, their tax application, mm-hmm. the job interview, the daycare, um, mm-hmm. the the mortgage, whatever. These are all, to me, 
they're fine topics, but in a way, it's like if once you start filtering and you're like, okay, those are all practical concerns. Can we talk about anything else than the practical? And yeah, yeah. I, I but mean, it's hard. It, it's I think it's very difficult. It is, but that's why people travel, right? They they need to be forced into a place where it, those constraints are no longer relevant, right? So like those worries. I mean, and they, and that's very hard to do, right? Um, to get to a place, people will use the terminology like I need to unplug. Um, I need some, you know, I need to free up some time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, of course, in the day, there's probably three or four hours of time that is yours to own and keep and do whatever, even in the worst case scenario, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how you choose to use that, you know, for either creative or reflective um, potential is up to you. Yeah. But I think you've talked about on the podcast before, like, we often perform for, or I would say this, perform for a camera called like society. Like, what is the expectation after yeah, work? I, I totally understand. And, and it's also like, it's always a fight to fight for that space. Mm -hmm. and, and, and for example, big reason why I made this NFT platform is that I have all these pieces ready to go. So I haven't been sketching so much for the last three months because I'm like, there's 20 pieces waiting to be released. Why would I sketch more? So it does feel like if you don't have that, that, place to put your thoughts then you're like oh it's not important i'm not going to prioritize it mm -hmm. yeah i think as with everything it's like taking taking steps to actually do it maybe it is more like the gym than the forest i don't know we've talked about that before too but <laughs> yeah. um i want it to be the forest you know uh, i want to be a walk have you been walk in the forest. have you guys been going hiking often yeah we've been going into the mountains quite often it's i went snowboarding for the first time in 25 years oh which was, was crazy uh, it was amazing, and I was now I'm like researching snowboards I can get. Like it's a whole universe of yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. opportunities. And do you think it's it's difficult to learn? Well, I I mean I I did it. I was back on the hill. I I relearned quickly. Um, yeah, but I've for newcomers, well, you skiing yeah. I think is easier to learn. Like yeah, I wasn't sure if I had forgotten, but I guess I didn't. The muscle memory was okay. still there. And and what about Kristen? She doesn't do any of that. So, she just drinks prosecco. She, on the she top stayed. Of the hill? Yeah, she stayed in the like the 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 like the lodge. The, the lodge. But um, with with a white turtleneck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, curled up by the fire. The funny thing though that's evolved in snowboarding, maybe as one last thing, um, you might not be aware of. Maybe our listeners aren't. Is this thing called split boarding, which is like the resort has been has become the enemy of the pure experience and so you what you really want to do is go into the back country but you don't you don't want to you go like, with a helicopter no no that's for the bougie rich people what you really want to do is get splitboarding a lot is like the snowboard breaks into two skis and you put these like furry skins on them and then you unwrap poles and they allow you to ski they turn into skis that you can climb mountains with Ooh. And then when you get to the that top of the mountain... That sounds like a good exercise. Yeah. When you get to the top of the mountain, you put it back, you make it, turn it back into a snowboard and you snowboard down. But what they talk about when you watch videos about this, and it's, it actually makes sense with our conversation, is they talk about it as 90% of your time should be personal reflection and meditation as you climb the mountain. <laughs> and 10% should be the joy. I, I feel of, like 90% of that is just like... Why did I do this? Yeah, yeah. This is such a bad idea. Yeah. And ten percent of your time should be the joy of the descent. But really, they they talk about how the effort of going yeah. up the mountain is what makes. I'm, the I'm descent glad you brought this up because this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think this is the perfect. This is exactly what I was trying to say. Okay. Well, that maybe we'll end there. But um, yeah, uh, we are missing field recordings. I should have recorded the top of the mountain because yeah. that was the other beautiful thing. I forgot about skiing. It's like it kind of forces you to take in a view. It's like uh, it's like a constraint. Like, oh, come to this theme park, and then you get there, and it's the most beautiful thing. <laughs> the theme park because you're looking at the mountains and the wind is blowing and there's birds and stuff. But um, just a prompt for our listeners: please send in your field recordings because I th always I, I love yeah. the and, field recording and 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 the field recording will force you to. Uh, absorb the world in a in a special way it's an experience so you yeah. should try it yeah try it out see see what your world sounds, sounds like. that usually are annoying all of a sudden become interesting did you have some field recordings i thought you did like kind of in a folder of your own uh let's see i'm gonna hear some mouse clicks sorry i haven't been able to find a silent mouse
or one that I like. Well, then you wouldn't have any feedback. You wouldn't know it was working. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have boiling eggs and uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, like a garden path with stones. So. Oh, yeah. That sounds nice. Okay. Which one? Let's do the garden path. Okay. Okay. So, thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.